Welcome to the Speak Brilliance podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Novillo, professional storyteller, singer-songwriter, visual artist, and spiritual empath. On this podcast, I present to you storytelling and soul reflections of my own and other artists and activists living life from the inside out. I hope these stories will inspire you to own your own stories and create your own worlds. I am really excited and stoked to talk to Lola Pickett today. Through her courses and programs, Lola Pickett empowers empaths and sensitive folk to rewire their brains, bodies, and behavior for internal and external resilience, shifting from self-repression to soul expression. She is the published author of The Wild Messenger's Alchemical Tarot and founder of Empathology, an emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual resiliency training program. Her offerings blend cutting-edge neuroscience with trauma healing, herbalism, permaculture, ritual, and play to create powerful and lasting results. When not facilitating transformational work, you'll find Lola on a hike, wild crafting medicines, and loving up on her husband, kids, and kitten in the mountains north of San Diego, California. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lola. I am so excited that we are having this conversation. I am too. Just to catch everybody up, so I've been in Lola and Tigre's empathology program for about nine months now, and I kind of feel almost like this is like the empathology baby. <laughs> it, it just feels very <laughs> exciting to be able to actually step into my integrity and be able to use my creativity in this type of way. Thanks. And a big part to your guys' program, which really helped me gain resiliency and basically work with my nervous system in order to tune myself into my greatest potential. So thank you so much. And so that the listeners can have an idea of a little bit of who you are. Can you give us some of your influences or references? And you can take that however way you want to. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, the first one that comes to mind, and I'll share that in a second. I just want to say thank you for that beautiful reflection of the power of the work. And it goes both ways, you know, like we've created this incredible container and process to develop resilience, but it also takes somebody like you who's willing to ask yourself hard questions and show up in your vulnerability and look at your life through the lens of possibility instead of problems. And that's a choice that you made. So, you know, like we did this together, we created the changes in your life together and it's so beautiful to have witnessed so much in what you transformed. I mean, there is no part of your life that wasn't touched and isn't still being impacted by the work that, that you'll continue to do with this. So that's really exciting. And I'm like thrilled to be a part of it. And Absolutely. as far as influences that kind of led to the creation of this program, um, I don't want to give credit to my trauma. <laughs> <laughs> but it really did help me understand why life felt the way that it did for me and why for so long I had spent years building a life that I thought I wanted only to realize as I got to know my real self that I had ascribed to somebody else's dream. I had ascribed to our society's recipe for success so to speak. And it had left me feeling really dead inside. So I don't thank the trauma for all of the things that it, it led me to do to kind of get away from myself, but I do appreciate the context and the um, urgency that it gave me to figure out what was going on with that. And to see, of course, that I wasn't alone in that either. I mean, there are millions of us who 
have followed the recipe for the right life and have been left high and dry by that recipe, feeling emotionally and physically starved by it. So I'm here to change that for people. Other influences have been people like Lady Gaga, who I love and respect as a musician and an artist, but also it's so apparent that she's a highly sensitive person, that she's deeply empathic, and yet she's been able to show up in resilience to create a movement, to support a huge community of people, to stand for unique artistry and really like buck a lot of the trends in that industry and and stand for something real. So she's kind of like the patron saint of my work. I really find a lot of um, strength and encouragement from somebody like her. And that's basically why I call it Rockstar Resilience, because you think about these people who are in the public eye and the kind of resilience and fortitude they have to develop for themselves if they're going to retain their identity, their truth, their integrity without selling out, without losing themselves without going completely mad and dealing with all of that attention, both positive and negative. And I think if us everyday people can develop even a fraction of that level of resilience, what would be possible for us if we stopped people pleasing, if we had better boundaries, if we could trust ourselves and our inner voice, so much would be able to change not just in our like home life, but in our careers, in our culture, in the wider society, positions of power would change because people would feel resilient enough to step into those roles without feeling like they're going to have to sacrifice themselves in the process. So I get a lot of influence from leaders like Lady Gaga. um, And, you know, my family has really led to a lot of the work that I do as well. And really the reason that I started out as an entrepreneur to begin with is my my baby son because right. when he was born I had this huge wake up call right and it's like here's this baby who I want to be a good example for and and yet at the time I was in a stale but okay marriage I had followed that like formula of marry your college sweetheart get a practical degree <laughs> buy a house with a picket fence get a golden retriever have a baby <laughs> and yet i was sitting there going like what the fuck has <laughs> happened to my life mm-hmm. i feel ridiculously depressed something's wrong with me um and when he was born it was like oh shit i can't just sit around and accept that this is my life if i want to tell him and be truthful that he could be whoever he wants to be when he grows up. And I want to be able to say that to him. And I can't right now because I'm not doing it. Right. And that sucks. Right. So so that was like kind of a turning point. Exactly. That was like a mega wake up call for you. Huge. Huge wake up call. I can relate with so much with what you said. I mean, I actually started out myself as a performing artist, as a singer, right? And so I had not really climbed any smaller mountains to get there. And when I got there, I was like, wait, this is it. <laughs> I was upset because I had missed a big part of the journey, a big part of the, you know, growing my resilience and a big part of the creative creativity, I guess, and the rest of my life. So I totally, I love that you brought, yeah. you know, Lady Gaga and a lot of people don't realize how much resiliency it does take to be able to stand up in public. I mean, it, it kind of saddens me because I mean, as artists, we try to make everything look smooth and polished and we love doing that, but it's sad that there's (laughs) such a huge breach, I guess I can call it, between the two. I mean, like 
between people not really actually seeing the actual work that goes behind it. And so I was really attracted to your program because I saw that you did understand that, you know, and I listened to your podcast and I was like, wow, (laughs) this woman has like such a soft fierceness about her. And that was just like everything for me, because a lot of times when you know, you seek mentorship, which I have done in the past a bit, but a lot of times it can often go into like the land of, I don't want to say worship, obviously that's, <laughs> that's being hyperbolic, but, but like but, putting people on pedestals. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. And so I yeah. just really appreciate your interiors work because you guys are, you know, transparent about it and you're, you know, as human as possible about it, even though you're leading and that makes me stay with the work because I know that I, I know that I'm being honored, right? Because yes. I'm being spoken to from another human being with the same with similar struggles, you know, it's not like any of us are perfect. Yeah. But you've been where I was, right? Like I, I can't believe it's only been nine months. <laughs> and <laughs> wow, like just so much has happened in those nine months. So I, I just love all those <laughs> answers that you gave for us. And also the, you know, to back up a little bit when you said, I don't want to thank my trauma, but that's kind of what brought me here. I can totally relate with that as well. Like, you know, that kind of feels like a little bit of a homecoming for me. I remember you had told me, Jessica, I, I feel your homecoming. <laughs> and it, that's what it kind of feels like. Yes. For me. Yeah. When you finally realize, well, you're like, well, you know, these things happen and they're still with me and they'll always will be with me. And Yes, they did give me that urgency, as you said, and they did shape a big part of my life and they, they put me through a journey. It's not that I'm thankful for them, but it just, it is what it is. You know, that's what brought me here. And exactly. This is part of who I am, you know, and I'm claiming it and I am claiming myself and all those gifts that came out of that deep pressure. And so I just think that's such, those, those are such wonderful influences. So I actually want to back up a little bit even more though, because I often tell people I'm an empath and they're like, what is that? So can we just talk briefly (laughs) about what that means? Yeah, of course. And I think there are a lot of people who maybe have never even heard that term or uh, don't relate with a lot of what they might find out about that term. And so they just kind of put it to the side, but I think there are a lot more empaths running around trying to figure out how to function in this world, then are even aware, you know, that that dynamic's going on. So what an empath is, who an empath is, is somebody who is more easily connected to other people than to themselves. And other people is a broad term. Like I really think of people as beings. So you could be more connected to trees and to animals and to, you know, the world at large, the energetics of what's going on in our world than you are to yourself. And so what this results in is somebody who is usually extremely caring, compassionate, naturally drawn to be in a supportive role in other people's lives, like a coach or a therapist or a partner, uh, a parent, all of those kind of caregiver roles. And yet because these people, and I'm one of them, tend to more easily connect to others than to themselves, there's a a deep feeling of despair and loneliness and emptiness inside because we feel lost about what we want. We don't feel like we really have a good handle on who we are. We don't understand that it's okay to have our own needs and that doesn't make us a needy person. And we can get wrapped 
wrapped up because we're so disconnected from our needs. We can get wrapped up into these very toxic relationship dynamics where we outsource that to people who have uh, far too much priority put on their own needs. And so there's a huge problem with people who are empathic getting into relationships with people who are more narcissistic. I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, everybody who's toxic and in an empath's life is a quote unquote narcissist, but there is a lot of toxic narcissism that happens to show up in many right. empaths relationships because they're so disconnected from themselves. They don't have a healthy, a healthy b- ability to prioritize themselves. Right. Right. <clears throat> yeah, so exactly. That, that goes on a lot. Exactly. And I, I bet you see a lot of that, that in your lot. groups that you facilitate and yes, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to talk about that because I think that's when when people ask me what's an empath, I, I say somebody who perceives more than usual, right? But I like that you brought it further. And I want to talk about that because I think that's probably the number one reason why I joined your group was, you know, you helped me so much with that mm-hmm. entanglement that comes from being in an unequal relationship or maybe several, many, right? That we unconsciously yeah. have throughout our lives. And I I love the article that you wrote about gaslighting, you know, Mm. why empaths are easy targets for gaslighting. Guys should definitely check that article out on her website. And basically, I love how you broke it down. I had never seen it like that before. And I, I just found it to be so helpful. So you were talking about what you were just saying that we see a lot of potential in people, right? We see the good in people and (laughs) we're we're people pleasers often or self-sacrificing. And then on top of that, which I I love this last point so much because it's something that I recognize about myself, but I might've not really recognized it until somebody pointed it out. And, and I think this actually a big part of the problem is that we hate conflict. We despise conflict. We despise disharmony. So I just thought that article was super brilliant because, you know, it's that combination really that often puts us into this hell bend, right? And for me also, you know, like, I just like to think of the good, the beautiful, the positive things, right? (laughs) You know, that combination plus that, (laughs) it can be, it can be. Yeah, who doesn't want to feel good all the time, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And and a lot of us with like selective memories or selective attention, we want to pay attention and remember the things that we love or that lights us up. And we often get into this, you know, kind of this blind... Anyway, so I'm glad you brought that up. And if you'd like to talk more about that, I think it's just super relevant. And I think it's something that a lot of us have in our lives unconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have to kind of back up and figure out what gaslighting actually is. And this is perfect because I just recorded a podcast episode inspired by that blog post that's going to be on my podcast pretty shortly. Um, But what gaslighting is, is any sort of dynamic between yourself or another person that causes you to doubt yourself and begins to erode your ability to trust your instincts, your thoughts, your perspective, and your your needs. And so when this happens in relationship, what it looks like is maybe you're in a Maybe you're in your partnership and your partner says something that hurts your feelings and you say, hey, that really that really hurt my feelings. And the person says, oh, don't take it like that. I didn't mean it to, to be hurtful, right? Instead of saying something like, I'm really sorry, what was that that I said that hurt you and how can I, how can I make a repair? The person is causing 
is putting the blame back on you for your sensitivity, which makes you go, maybe I am being too sensitive. Or the person might respond with, why are you so sensitive? Right? Like other people wouldn't be hurt by that. For sure. And it's a very, very, very toxic dynamic. And there's a lot of different phrases that can be highlighted in this kind of gaslighting dynamic. But one of the biggest problems with it isn't what happens with other people. It's what happens with ourselves. We learn as a pattern of lifetimes being told you're too sensitive. You just got to toughen up that we internalize those voices and we begin to doubt ourselves like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad, something that happened. I know they didn't mean it like that. And that's exactly because we can see people's potential. Just like you said, we can see that at their heart, at their root, in their soul, this person doesn't mean to be harmful. This person, maybe they have a history of trauma or abuse that makes them this way. And we can see through the surface behavior and the surface abuse to who they really are, or so we think. And so we justify those behaviors We accept those behaviors in the hopes that if we just love them better, if we just take care of them and prove that they are who we see who who they are, that they'll see it too. And they'll actually be that person that we then get to be in relationship with. But latching onto somebody's potential is absolutely 100% toxic because it continues a pattern of being abused in the present moment it allows toxicity to continue. And this is a mistake that I see so many empathic, kind, compassionate people make. And it's one that's really, really hard to take stock of and look at because that potential is there. Like we can see it, we know it. And that hope for the potential to become real is very, very strong because we love these people. It's not like we're not caring about this person that we're in a relationship with. Right. And so it's very hard to like back off and say, you know, this is toxic. Like what's happening right now is not okay. And I need to set some boundaries around this and this has to change if it's going to work. Right. It's very brave to do that when you can see through the surface. Right. And um, I think what we have to remember too, as empaths is that you know, everybody has the potential for good and toxicity, you know, everybody has that. (laughs) Right. And so we really have to think about like, okay, are we engaging with somebody who's showing more of the toxic potential or more of the good potential? And then we need to make a clear decision. Right. But I think what also happens um, to many people, myself included, is that we get into that cycle of basically (laughs) love bombing and then toxicity and the cycle just loops over and over again. And we're kind of like stuck in a storm. Right. So I love Mm -hmm. that so much of your work talks about the body and, you know, how much trauma and information is really stored in the body. I just came across the term recently. I think it was called after data that comes like 10 times more information comes from the body up, you know, rather than to the brain down to the body. And so I love that. I love that you started with that in your empathology course. And I feel like that was a big way to gain trust for me personally, because (laughs) yeah, because we want to be able to feel that we have agency, right? And 
when we realize that it's our yeah. bodies that store so much of this this chaos, but also good information to get us out of that chaos, it's very promising and it's very encouraging. So, yeah, we have to start with the body. I feel like, (laughs) yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, as I was saying earlier, I, I feel like one of the other things that I love so much about your, your group is also just the storytelling aspect of it. Right. And, we're allowed to and encouraged to share our stories, um, whether it's through the coaching calls, right. Or through the, the other platform. Right. And so, which is, I don't know, what do we call it? Community platform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. There you go. (laughs) So (laughs) I think that's really important. That's really important for me. I, I, I just feel like storytelling is such an important way for me to process and to like really pivot and to, pivot in a way that's beneficial to me and a way that I can, I can process basically and, and show up in a way exactly. that, that makes me feel like I have agency and I can, I can advocate for myself better. So I really appreciate that aspect of the program. I'd like to hear more about just how this all came about. I mean, you guys do such amazing work and I know it must've been a process. So can you give me like a little bit of a snapshot of what it looked like when you were just starting out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my journey has been totally illogical as most soul or intuitive or purpose full paths are. It's like, it makes, it makes only sense in hindsight. And that's one thing I will just like put a pin in for anybody who's (laughs) listening who's like how do you create like a good true feeling life it's not going to make a lot of sense while you're in that process but looking back everything's going to be like oh that's why I took that class or that's why I was called to talk to that person or whatever um so it, it makes sense now and I can tell the story a little bit easier but while I was in it it was a bit chaotic feeling mm-hmm. so based on that wake-up call with my child I realized so many parts of my life needed to change. I wasn't ready to look at that all at once. I mean, I think that very few people are like, let's just throw it all out. Right. And so it really was the step-by-step process of unshackling myself from the dream that wasn't true. And that started with my career. And so I, I had stories to tell and I started a blog. I didn't know if that was going to be anything. I didn't really know how to make it into anything. It was just a place for me to share thoughts and feelings. And then I heard about this online class that I could take to basically create a business. And I thought, well, I have no idea what I'm doing. Somebody who does know probably can point me in a better direction than just trying to figure it out on my own. Uh, and so I, I signed up for this online business training. And my husband, I call him my practice husband now, mm-hmm. my practice husband was wildly against it. And was actually so confronted (laughs) by me being right. I was like, hmm. Um, (laughs) But he he was very afraid of the investment. It was $2,000. And that was like, you know, that's a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. it was like, well, what's this going to, you know, what's this going to teach you that you can't figure out by, you know, Googling it? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, thank goodness this very wise person answered that question for me in her FAQs so I could come back and be like, here's the reason why Google isn't going to work for this because you don't know what you don't know. Right. You can't Google something you don't know you need. And exactly. he was like, oh, <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so um, you know, he was very, very confronted by this, but I said yes to the course. And the interesting part about that program, and that was really like 
a launch pad for me because any any scary investment that feels right that you have to just kind of trust your intuition to do that part alone of trusting your intuition, saying yes to it and following through on that intention to do the thing that in itself is a transformation. And I think that is what really kicked things off for me even more than what the class taught me, which was valuable, but it was really about that. Like, Oh shit, I can make decisions. I can be the person who's steering my life in the direction that I want it to go. Oh, like that's inconvenient information. Because what else could I do, right? Right. What else could I do? And so my little blog, you know, because of what I learned and also just me continuing to show up, started to create an audience and I started to um, just get some sort of a following. Like it was very, very small at first. And mostly people were just like, how are you making your website so beautiful? And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, maybe this is a thing. Maybe this is where I could start. And so Mm -hmm. I started to help people with their branding and their graphic design. That was part of what I went to school for. And that actually took off really, really fast because people understand websites. They understand, like, I don't know how to do this. Somebody else does. This is something I would hire for. And so there was an immediate, like, that could be a business. Right. And it became a business so quickly that I was able, yeah, I, I was able to quit my job that I hated mm-hmm. and see that there was a, a, a real potential here for something for me. And that again, put me even more in a position of personal power. So then I started to question other things, things that were more uncomfortable for me to question, uh, including my marriage. And that was a really big one. Um, and of course, all of the lessons I learned in that process of questioning my marriage, starting to ask for what I want going down some in inconvenient and unconventional paths without trying to figure things out and then eventually leaving that taught me a lot about why I was able to make these big changes, which really did boil down to developing resilience. And I didn't know at the time that's what I was doing mm-hmm. because what I was seeing was there's all these coaches, there's all these personal growth books. I was learning about energy and things like that. And, and yet there's all this information out there. It's all like thousands of years old, most of it. So why are these all best-selling books and people are still not changing their lives? Like it's only a very small few that are really doing something with it. What's the difference? What's the missing piece? They're not doing and the inner work. And as I was building, they're not doing the inner work, but what does that even mean? Right? Like, right. so trying to make that real for myself so I to understand and actually make the changes I wanted to make was huge. And as I was continuing to work with people on their brands and their websites, I started to see how much insecurity there was and how much imposter syndrome people had and how much perfectionism was holding them back. Yes. And how much they were worried about what people were thinking. And so I started to see all these parallels between my own experiences and my own patterns and what other people were struggling with. And after continuing to just evolve the business into more and more mentorship and coaching to help people overcome these issues and then exclusively doing that, um, I started to really develop a system for training people on how to get what I now knew was resilience. And that work took lots of different forms over time. But after a real tough conversation with my mom, I realized she's an unrealized on the toxic end of the empath spectrum. Mm -hmm. My dad was a 
full-blown narcissist. Mm -hmm. We had a pretty tough conversation, my mom and I, after my dad died. And I realized I really need to put this work out there in a new way, in a way that really speaks exactly to these dynamics to help this population so that not only am I the end of the line for this shit in my family, but I can empower thousands of people to be the end of the line of this shit in their families too. And in their workplaces and in the government and in all of the places that we need more empathic, compassionate, heart-centered human beings to be in positions of power and leadership. It's not just for me. So that was where the work came from. And and it's growing and growing. It's amazing. We now have, have hundreds of students in the program and many more coming. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think that I think a lot of people that could make change in the world are stuck in imposter syndrome land. And it's very easy to understand why, because, you know, we're not part of the mainstream and we don't match energy with the mainstream necessarily. Um, (laughs) So we're often ostracized or ridiculed, or maybe we're ridiculed because we are so powerful. (laughs) And so I um, think so. I think so too. And, um, you know, when I just look at you and your work, that's kind of just what you embody is this, like I said, soft fierceness and this power that you could easily be distracted or tamed by somebody that is very intimidated by it, but you're not. And I, I love that. How, how <laughs> I love how you stand so powerfully and Thank you. you give a chance for other people like me and like many others to come up and embrace their sensitivity and their superpowers, right? And their empath powers, right? So <laughs> I just think that's so special. And the way that you do it as well is has so much integrity and you have such a powerful scientific almost approach to the way you do things. I mean, it is scientific. All art, all arts mm-hmm. and science come from the same tree, right? Einstein said that. So um, yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. And we know that we're both artists, right? And and, and a lot of our work is mm-hmm. scientific. It is very methodical. It is quite the process, right? Of, of putting things together, of researching. And I just want to see that more in the mainstream. I think things have definitely changed for sure within the past five years. And part of that is thanks to politics and I won't get into it, but you know, um, but a lot of us were just shocked out of our, or not shocked, um, but angry, you know, angry enough to just be like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm doing this, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing it my way, or I'm going to get help or I'm going to seek mentorship, but I am going to get my voice heard and I am not going to stand in this pile of rubbish any longer because you know, what I, what Mm -mm. I say matters and what I perceive matters and this is the only way to create change. So I think it's very beautiful that you were able to, uh, to just stand up amidst so much conflict and basically own your truth and, and your work. So I thank you for that because without that, I don't, I don't know that I would be here at this very moment talking with you doing my work, you know, because I feel like that's definitely something that you've passed down to me while I've been in this program. So yeah, I'd like for our listeners um, now that they, I mean, maybe they knew what an empath was, maybe not, maybe they just learned on this episode, but can we get a little bit into, you talk a lot about the four F's, which are trauma responses and they're consistent patterns that we might have throughout a lifetime that we're unconscious of. So just to tap into a little bit of how the body is really 
so um, influential on our lives. I I think a lot of people struggle with Mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to make this change. I want to do this thing. But then what happens is that their nervous system doesn't let them and they just feel so defeated. Right. And so I loved when I first started hearing about that in your program. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit about that for our listeners so that they can also feel that sort of connection and encouragement. For sure. Well, I love what you said because you can't, you can't put a, a bigger, bolder, brighter, truer life onto a nervous system that feels so much safer being invisible, being small, being so-called safe, being protected. You can't do that. And a lot of people try and feel like they just don't have what it takes or they have this story that they're broken somehow. um, And that's not true. And this is one of the biggest reasons why I built the work in the way that I did so that it starts with that body awareness and that physiological presence of what is your nervous system doing right now so that you can begin to learn ways to support yourself to grow that that will sustain right like so that you don't just have another year of failed new year's resolutions and goals that feel unattainable and vision boards that end up in the trash like i don't want that for people like us and the only way to make any of that real and stick and not just sustainable, but like regenerative is to support the nervous system. And so as you described, there's four main responses that are autonomic. This is on autopilot in all of our systems. We all have this and they're not necessarily trauma responses, but trauma changes how these responses work Mm -hmm. and when they get activated in our system. And we as highly sensitive beings, as empaths, we have more susceptibility to having trauma live in our nervous systems more deeply and for longer because of the way our systems are wired. We are literally more sensitive and process information more deeply into Mm. the nervous system. So this is why somebody who is quote unquote sensitive can literally be traumatized by something that someone whose nervous system is built differently can just brush off, right? It's like, why is that such a big deal to you? It's literally a big deal to me because my system is making it a big deal. It's not a character flaw or a weakness. It's a physiological thing. So the trauma piece of this is important because not everybody who comes into our space feels like they have trauma because maybe something huge and big and terrible never happened to them in their life. And yet, because if your system is wired with more sensitivity, you're going to have the experience of living as a trauma survivor, even if you can't figure out what that trauma ever was. Mm-hmm. Like daily little things could totally have a big impact on you. So we have to understand not the content of our traumas, but the impact of our traumas and how our systems have responded over time to what that wiring has built in us in the patterns of our neural pathways. And so those four responses that we all have are ones that most of us have heard of fight and flight also freeze. And then one of the ones that's less well-known that's becoming a little bit more in the kind of dialogue is fawn and fawning is one of the responses that I see pretty frequently in our community. It's also known as people pleasing And it's a skewed way of feeling safe in social dynamics by 
avoidance of conflict Mm -hmm. and by attending to other people's needs to make sure that you are safe and comfortable. Yes. So you're avoiding feeling bad yourself by helping everybody else. Yeah. Often without having them ask for it. And yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I just want to say when I first joined your program, I think there was a, there was a quiz in the beginning and I did it a couple of times. And the first time I ended up with the result as people pleaser. And I was like, what? I'm a people. (laughs) I was shocked. (laughs) And and then of course, like you have, uh, you know, some amount of maybe each of those possibly. I know I did, but yeah, of course I really, I never would have, I never, I never would have thought of that. I was totally resistant or completely unconscious of that. I I didn't realize that I was consistently putting other people's needs before mine. And it was just like a big realization for (laughs) me. So, and, and, you know, and I still, obviously I still see it in me and it's something I'm, you know, probably going to work on forever, but it's, improve dramatically once you actually can see it and see all the ways that you're, you're abandoning yourself basically. Right. At least that's how I look at it. Yep. And, and I was like, well, maybe we should call this, you know, like, I don't know, self haters. I don't know. Self killer. Like (laughs) to me, like, um, (laughs) well, I'm just saying that it was just very eye opening for me to realize that, that I had that pattern and I had absolutely no idea that I was doing that. So Anyway, you can continue. <laughs> yes. Well, exactly. I mean, it's just like what my my practice husband said, like, you'll never find that on Google because you have no idea that that dynamic's even going on with you, right? Right. And you know what's funny too? One more thing is the first quiz result was actually maybe fight. So I actually had like mm-hmm. a very strange combination in a way because I was like, part of my life was just all fighting, but then I had very little, um, let's see, like my boundaries were very rigid, you can say. And so my walls were very rigid. And so I went from one to the other in just the craziest of ways from like extreme fawning and people pleasing to extreme fight. And that I think is why I didn't really recognize that I had the people pleasing tendencies. And so, yeah, over the year, it's been like kind of getting... (laughs) you know, a little bit less of both or even the amount into your say. middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just wild. I never really, I never really yeah. saw those things. So, yeah. So now that I've interrupted you yeah, <laughs> and there's healthy versions of each of those responses too. <laughs> there's healthy versions of each of, each of those say, responses. Like there's healthy versions of each of those too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's part of what we teach. It's not just about awareness. It's about growth and like skillfulness, right? right. Because we're all going to have these patterns and the, the art in this is taking the scientific data, the physiological data, understanding what's happening biologically in your body when these responses get activated and why they get activated. And then it's learning to skillfully wield these responses that we already have in new ways so that we can show up at our edges, at our, Mm. for our boundaries so that we can show up powerful and radiant instead of closed off and defended. And there's a, there's a skill to that. Right. And that's not just like a mental concept of, Oh, just do this instead of this. We have to learn how to support ourselves to make that shift. And that's why the work works in our program. Right. It's not just Mm -hmm. like, here's some concepts. Here's how to actually do it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, standing at your edges is much easier <laughs> said than done. And it's a powerful place to be. So I, I love how you said that. And I think that's what everybody wants, really. You know, they want to be able to stand in their full expression and their full potential. And so, you know, being able yeah. to have that insight, I think, I think that's really where it all starts with, right? For years, I was on this path of trying yep. to decipher what my body was telling me, but to have that insight is really important, isn't it? Because then we're able to, it's hard to go back once you have the insight, right? And I, th I think you can't um, unknow unless like something happens to you, like a brain injury, you're not going to be able to un mm -hmm. unknow what's going on with yourself, which is hugely powerful. Hugely, hugely powerful. And it's, I mean, intuition is also important, but it's, it, it can only lead you maybe to a certain, at some, at some point we need the insight. So that was like a big crossover for me when I finally started understanding. And so this whole past, I want to say year, but it's, it's feels like three years, four years, <laughs> it's been nine months. It's just been an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah. A lifetime. <laughs> a lifetime. Really though, because having access, feeling like there's tangible information that I can access to understand myself better is priceless. I mean, it's just so valuable. And it's funny because so much transformation happened in such a quick time that now when I, for example, when I have like family gatherings or something like that, I'm just like, it's, it's kind of just um, shocking to see how far this insight really can take you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can go to your family gatherings and you can navigate conflict and and feel like you don't lose yourself as much in the process of those things. Right. Because we don't have to sacrifice everything in our lives. Like we don't have to throw it all away, mm -hmm. but we do want to be able to navigate the situations that challenge us with more of our integrity intact. Right. And that feels so important to emphasize because people are afraid of like losing everything or having to like end everything. And that's not necessarily what is required. Mm -hmm. What is required is that you're equipped to navigate those situations with a whole lot more confidence and skill and less spiraling afterwards of like, oh my God, why did I did right? Like let's end the spiral of right. post situation challenge, you know, like self-judgment. Exactly. And we can bounce back easier when we do, um, yes. when we do find ourselves like maybe a little bit buried in <laughs> whatever family dynamics, we can bounce back Looped. and we're like, oh, wait a minute, you know, like just brush ourselves off and say that wasn't oh. actually me. <laughs> That's just priceless as well. Just being yeah, able to that decipher. Was just that, that silliness. Right. Just being able to decipher what's our energy and what's not our energy. And, you know, like maybe, maybe you can't control mm -hmm. that family dynamic, but maybe it's not your responsibility to do so. So for me, it's been very eye-opening and um, yes, life-changing. Yeah. So for sure. And yeah, I just wanted to thank you again for taking the time out to talk to us. I, I just appreciate it so much. And I would love to hear before you go about what would you like your legacy to be? Mm. Yeah, I love that question. And for me, I think that I like to think about it instead of legacy as what's the impact that I'm here to make, mm -hmm. because that feels more about the ripple effect and less about me personally. And it, you know, like I think gotcha. the truth is that I'm probably going to be forgotten pretty quickly. Right. You know, like I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to disappear into history as another, 
human being that was on this planet. And, and actually that's very liberating for me to consider because if I'm ultimately forgettable, then I have a lot more permission to make mistakes, to be imperfect, to be loud, to be quiet, to be myself. Okay. Yes. Fear or yes, as much and fear anyway. I did read your article. I agree hundred yeah. percent. I, I read your article on that, um, on your website. And I, I really encourage you guys to look at that. That's something that definitely changed my perspective. <laughs> yeah. Also as an artist, sometimes we do like, get caught oh. up in being important or whatever, but it's like, no, actually I want to be forgettable. <laughs> so I, I love that you say that. And, mm-hmm. um, I'd love to, so to hear what impact, kind of impact, right. You know, yeah. The impact I want to make is what I hope is in my wake is more self-acceptance in sensitive beings is more honoring of the body as an ecosystem, as a universe, as a divine instrument. I want to see more sensitivity in positions of power so that decisions are not just made from the perspective of resource gathering uh, greed, fear, protectionism, but also just collective well-being. And I want my impact to be that the lines of trauma that have reverberated through my personal family lineage for God knows how many generations, the colonizer and the colonized, the rape, rape victim and the rapist, it's all inside of me as it goes back through time. And as much as possible, I want the epigenetic impact of my presence to be that those patterns no longer need to be perpetuated, that that is no longer how the people in my family are going to grow or change or take advantage of others. And that I am a, a drop in the tide of anti-colonization, of partnership instead of patriarchy and honesty, right? Like if that's the ripple effect is that people are more honest with themselves and each other, that alone will be pretty huge, right? Absolutely. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Lola. You know, we're really blessed to have you on today and to hear your wisdom. So I just really appreciate all of your and Tigre's work and I'm really glad to be in community with you guys. So thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us on the Speak Brilliance podcast today. If you like what you heard, please follow and leave a review so we can continue to make more. And I'll see you back here next week. Thanks.